Welcome to the Gourds and Pomegranates podcast, talking common sense for church communications. Here's Hannah and Joe. Today we are talking about websites. Yeah, what is a bad church website? Can we even really say that? Like, isn't it really arrogant? Surely mm. that's a really subjective thing. Um, you know, yes. every church is different. Uh, every church is going to have different needs. So obviously we're not asking for all church websites to look the same. That would defeat the object and, and no one would stand out. But can we still say that there's a bad church website? I mean, presumably we're not just talking about sites that just don't look very nice or aren't, mm, no. you know, stylish and trendy. Because I do look at a lot of church sites um, through my work. So I know that there are a lot that are not um, appealing to my aesthetic or my millennial aesthetic that I vibe yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's more than fair. I think if I can put it <laughs> gently as well, there's a lot of church sites that I come across that could probably use a little bit of TLC in the design department. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily make them bad, even if they're just not suited to our taste or, or we could even objectively say they don't look very good. That doesn't mean that they're bad websites. They could be that they're still getting other things right and that they are actually useful. Yeah. So what do we mean when we're talking about bad websites? Are there some must-haves or absolutely no-goes that we can apply to church websites? And because websites are your area of expertise, Joe, that, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to sit and listen because it's all your wisdom today, I think. Yeah, no pressure. Actually, it's not think, I know, I know it's your wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to try to give some helpful pointers that we can hopefully apply to websites and get some fairly clear cut answers, some objective answers so that it's not just your or my opinion on whether something's good or bad, but hopefully things that, you know, we can take away ask ourselves honestly these questions about whether the site is doing a good job and you know improve things for everyone so the first thing is to remember that websites are there to serve people mm. which sounds really obvious when you say it but there's a few different things which come into that so first of all for the website to actually serve people they need to be able to find it so when we interviewed uh, benj a little while back he mentioned this he mentioned about people being able to find the website you do need to be found on google um, we also talked about setting up a Google business listing, which is which is free to do. That isn't to say that it's vitally important to learn all the ins and outs of, of SEO. Um, we could go into a lot of detail, but ultimately the most important thing is that for those people that come to your site, it's useful to them. It has the information they need. And as it happens, that's also the most important thing in the eyes of the search engines. So that in itself would help people to find the site. It mm. seems like an obvious thing. It's a bit of a catch-22, but if the site's useful, then it will be promoted and people will find it and so it will be useful. So whilst we do and can seek to attract visitors who perhaps are asking questions about God online or searching for certain things that don't necessarily relate to our church, um, you know, there are ways we can try and grab that audience. Actually, the most common way that people will be looking for you will involve them going to Google and typing in your church name they will probably already know the church name at the very least they will say church is near me or church is in this town name mm. so those are the things that you do need to focus on with seo first of all we need to make sure that you're at or near the top of those search results pages 
Um, and bonus points as well if your Google business listing also shows up with your logo when people type in your church name. Okay, so people have found your website. Actually, what do they need to see? What do they want and need? Yeah, so we talked about audiences um, specifically when we were going through putting together a comms plan. Um, So hopefully you've already defined a few key audiences that can help Mm. you and guide all of your comms. So that'll be helpful for your website too. And then for all of these different types of people that visit your site, we need to be thinking about the information they need to actually take an action. Um, So this is called the user journey, Um, thinking about what happens at each step of that journey. And a really simple way to think about this is like the London Underground. So when you go to London, you will see that big sign with the roundel on it, and you will know that there's an underground station there. But if you're down the other end of the street, you might not even know the station name. You just know that there's an underground station. You don't necessarily know which lines serve it. You don't know the connections. You don't know how many platforms there are or anything like that. But you have enough information to actually make the next step. So you walk towards it. Mm. You go down the stairs. And at that point, you will find the next bit of information. So you will find out what lines there are. And you can actually then make the next decision. You can go towards that line. And it's only as you get closer that you can choose northbound or southbound. And then you get to the platform and you probably don't even know what platform number it is because that was never really helpful information to you. But you find out what time the next train's coming and then you get on it. So it's that step-by-step process where you just give people the information they need rather than overwhelming them with so many things that they can't actually make a decision. That's no different on websites. Okay, so thinking about if I was using a website then, in a way, having as few or sort of a simple clear top menu and then those steps being broken down so okay I'm new I'm gonna go to that bit first or I'm looking for events and then I'm gonna like click into that and then I get the next step rather than having yeah the full map of the the whole map of London underground in the middle of the street and all of that information as you said, kind of like at the one end of the street, you're the other, and that's all too much information because I I don't know what platform I need to be on until I'm actually in that area. Yeah. Am and I interpreting that? could that be right? really overwhelming. <laughs> that could be really overwhelming if you have all of that information sort of shoved in a user's face. Because <laughs> yeah. if you think about when you go into a new church for the first time, it's great to be welcomed by someone and for them to point out where you need to go next. But if they try and tell you like all of their weekly meetings they try and tell you about home groups if they ask you if you want a coffee if they ask you if you want this or that and tell you everything you're just going to be so overwhelmed and not be able to make any decision at all at that moment you just need to know where you need to sit maybe where the toilets are yeah yeah right okay so can we put that in an example of i know i've just sort of broken it down slightly for me but can we put that into an example of what that looks like into practice yeah so if we take an example audience member um, or a persona um, and we're going to use a lady who's on her maternity leave who has a young child and has heard that your church has a coffee morning that she'd like to come to. So let's imagine that she comes to the website by googling your church name. Can she then easily find out the information that she needs about the group? So what this doesn't mean is that the first thing that she sees when she comes on your website as the most obvious thing on the home page is a massive banner telling her about the coffee morning. Obviously, that would suit her. She would find what she needed, but it wouldn't help the rest of your audience who are looking for different things and probably the majority. 
So instead of that, probably we want to make sure that she can see the church name or logo to reinforce that she has actually come to the right place. So she's clicked on the right link in Google. Yeah. Then we want to have a link either in the menu or relatively high up on the homepage to something along the lines of groups or activities or what's on, something like that. It might be that depending on what else the church does, you could also have it broken down in the menu as kids or families or youth, something like that. And if that's obvious, that can lead her down that pathway, uh, bringing together all of these different youth groups information and then the next steps for each of those. Or it could be that you have a new here link, like you mentioned before, and mm. potentially that might be a really high priority item on the homepage as a, as a banner or as a hero section, because that can serve a lot of people. Now, obviously, that wouldn't have details of the coffee morning on that page, but it just gives you a chance to introduce the church to newcomers and then provides links to the different activities that newcomers might be interested in, like this group, for example. So there are different groups that this person can take to get the information she's looking for. You just have to make the next steps or the decision points clear with a button that stands out from the rest of the content so that she can actually make that choice and lead her. So sometimes it can be easy to get, not distracted, but we want to add in all of the fancy whizzy things that make websites look really cool and attractive and, you know, catch everyone's attention. <laughs> what do you think about the impact or actually the use are they worthwhile doing things like the sliders on the home page or videos you know there's really cool kind of like church videos of loads of things going on <laughs> or <laughs> um i mean they're eye-catching but i'm very aware that probably it takes up a lot of sort of space and mental capacity for the website or yeah. things like social media feeds i mean personally i'm not too keen I just want links to them. But like <laughs> as, as the website professional, like what's your professional opinion on things like that? Yeah, sure. I think that question of that sort of screen real estate is is helpful, actually, to say if something might be a good thing, but it's going to take over, then maybe it's not the right place for mm. it. So videos are fine as long as they're done well. So they need to not take forever to load. Mm. Um, if they're a background video rather than one where you sort of click and actually start it playing, then it needs to load gracefully um they need to serve a purpose um so if it is just to have a flashy video that's attention grabbing but actually doesn't represent your church at all then it's a bit of a waste of time yeah i think it's just a case of fitting the style of the site and fitting into the theme and the flow of the content um sliders generally you'll find that most web professionals aren't fans of like a <laughs> rotating slideshow of images they seem like a good idea because it puts lots of information in front of people. But I think mm. the reality is they get ignored. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of research to, to back that up. And again, it's that information overload thing. So it's much more beneficial to actually spend the time thinking about prioritizing the information at the top of the page. And then as you go down, rather than trying to put everything there and, and hoping that users happen to notice it. Yeah. And then what about social media feeds? Yeah, social feeds are an interesting one. So having like an embedded list which displays your recent content I don't think that they're that helpful, personally. Mm. Often they look terrible because you can't really style them. Even when you can, they're not that helpful. So for something like Instagram, where it's a really visual platform, that, that can be good. Um, as long as your Instagram is well curated and you know that the eight most recent images that are going to display on your website are actually suitable and relevant yeah. and not just completely random, 
but I think for text platforms, they don't tend to add a lot of value because even if you just had like the most recent tweet or Facebook post, it could be something very random that has nothing to do with what you actually want people to get from your website. And if you have links that go to your social media channels, when people click them, they'll see the most recent content anyway. Um, So so I've, I've never found feeds that helpful. Social links really important, not necessarily in the header, because sometimes it can be so prominent that you're actually leading people away from your website before they've yeah. got to the purpose of why they've come to your website. But yeah, having links to the social is really important. Yeah, but just not the right at the bottom. I had one earlier and I had to scroll like for five years until I got to the bottom of the site <laughs> and it was down there. Like, yeah, easily accessible, but I do understand actually that you don't want them at the top because yeah. your website is your main real estate so it makes sense yeah. to keep people there and generally having a feet making a feature of them mm. so saying for the latest news go to social media because yeah. what that does is it frees you up from having to update your website every day or every week making sure that it's got this week's news on it when you're pointing people away to social media which is going to be updated anyway yeah and i suppose if you're intentional about directing people to social the social is where you are social with people and where people can yeah. really have that community. So you do want people going on your website. You do want people going on your socials, but you need to know why and how you're pushing people to them. Yeah, it goes back to the the purpose of of why we use those platforms. Yeah. So, like, again, another one thing that really, which is not the one thing, there are a number of things that annoy me, but opening links in new tabs. So it is a lot on social when you click on the buttons to go to the social platforms. But often if you're like linking to a ministry partner or something and it doesn't open a new tab, and that's something I'm seeing and experiencing a lot. Mm. And it's really annoying because <laughs> I might want to go on your Facebook page. I'll like and follow you. But I also do then want to carry on looking around your website and I don't want to have to like take steps back in my history yeah. to come back to the church website again. I just want to like close that page down and your website is there. Yeah, for sure. Especially if it's a ministry partner. So say your church is involved or gives and supports math. And I might have a look around the math website for a bit. Cool, okay, I've done that. Okay, I want to carry on looking at your church website. I'm going to have to go back, 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 back to get it. and. As a user, that really annoys me. Yeah, and it's something that web designers often disagree about because they clearly have far too much time. Um, <laughs> but there's there's not a hard and fast rule in terms of internal external links, whether they open a new tab or not. Generally, it is going to be more helpful for external links to open a new tab mm. um, unless someone is at the end of their journey with your website. Yeah. So perhaps if they're buying a ticket for something, then yeah. going straight to... A ticket page that's external maybe don't open in a new tab um but then probably as part of that journey once they actually buy the ticket i'd want to redirect them to a page on the website anyway so um in that instance maybe not but yeah it's a small detail i think um mm. and you know we can definitely think too much about it but <laughs> i do it can it can be helpful to avoid annoying people yeah So, okay, we've thought about the importance of websites serving people um, in terms of helping them find the site and navigating their way around it with the user's journey, which I do think is really important, even if you're not a professional website developer. I think as church peoples and as as comms people, 
we should be thinking about the user's journey and you know where we do want people to go because again that is influenced through the personas and our kind of the aspects that we've gone through in the comms plan but also about then how that translates into social as well um so yeah i think that's a really important thing that we shouldn't sort of just quickly go over but we should remember what's the next stage yeah so the next bit i've called key information there's not really a better way i can think of saying Mm -hmm. that but the amount of church websites I see where even finding the times of the Sunday services is difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, this is critical information that most people coming to your church website are going to want to know. And yet you're making it more difficult than it needs to be. Yep. Um, so with service times, have them front and center, probably without the need to scroll to see them. Um, that's called above the fold. Make sure that it's easy for people to locate your building as well. Um, so have mm-hmm. a find us link, something like that. Um, it could be really helpful to provide a link to Google Maps so that people can get driving directions or sort of public transport. And these are things that having all of that find us information as the first thing on your website, probably not helpful. But having a link so that people can find that information as being obvious is important. Mm. You know, thinking of what other things to definitely include. Uh, including your next big event or your course that can give people a really easy entrance into the church so that they're not having to think about you know which event might be right for them you're helping them to make that decision uh, obviously the ability to easily get in touch with you so that people can ask questions or send you a message if you have a contact form on your website set up a reminder for someone to check it regularly check it's still working does someone actually receive the messages are they being followed up so these are some really important things to to include that often get missed yeah and one of the things that I'm very aware of through my personal church experience and not even my personal experience but I'm just very aware that it's something I don't think of very often but accessibility as well Mm. of actually you know if we're wanting to open churches to anyone and everyone that actually what's your accessibility like because at my old church for a long time we did not have like wheelchair accessible toilets um Mm. they've got a ramp in now so like we can say that it is but that was a huge problem for us because actually it really limited our ability to serve our community so we had to be very clear about actually no we don't have these facilities and things like that and I think very often again it's especially for old building churches we just assume oh it's fine we can walk up the stairs and then we're sort of surprised when people suddenly go oh but this doesn't work like I physically can't or yeah Yeah. And so again, in the same way, you're probably not going to say church name meets at 11am Sundays, not wheelchair accessible. (laughs) But what you probably will do is have that meets at 11am Sundays, Mm. find out more. And then on that Sundays page, a way that I quite like to do it and I've seen a lot of other people do it is have some questions, almost like a frequently asked questions page about Sundays, because we can't assume that people know what to expect. Parking. That's another thing. Yeah, parking. Um, again, that probably goes in your finder section, but I would also then put it on that Sunday section. Yeah. Because even if you're someone who has been to church your whole life, going to a different church can be confusing. We all do things differently. Um, so if we then take that a step further to someone who hasn't been to church in 20 or 30 years, help them. <laughs> yeah, help them yeah. know what they're going to walk into. Um, and if there are issues with accessibility, make that clear so that they don't turn up and you get embarrassed and they get embarrassed. Mm, Yeah, definitely. 
So if we apply all of this to our mum example from before, we need to make sure that any key details she's likely to read and need will be there. Yeah. So whether she's come through a journey on the website to get to the page, which actually says the coffee morning, or perhaps if she's clicked a link on one of your social media accounts, which goes directly to that page, you need to include the information she needs. So the location of the group, the meeting times, if there's a cost, mm. um, whether she perhaps needs to book in advance um, and, and if she does, how to do so. Um, and probably just a nice friendly link that welcomes any other questions she might have to ease any anxieties before she comes to the event. Yeah. So moving on a little bit from the content of the website and how we prioritize that, um, a bit more of a technical issue, but a really important and useful one is we need to think about different devices. Mm. So it shouldn't be a surprise that more and more of your website visits are going to be coming from mobiles and tablets. Yeah, It's the majority easily for most churches. So you need to make sure that your design looks good and more importantly, the looking good actually works well and is easy to use on all different sizes of screens. So part of this is one thing that often my clients struggle the most with post handover and that's image file sizes. This is a bugbear as a web developer, um, but it's it's important and probably we need to do a mini episode in the future on it. But the basics are to crop and resize your images before uploading them to your site, um, saving them at a lower quality as mm -hmm. well because it won't look much worse, but it will load a lot quicker. Yeah. Some web builders will have these tools built in, but the reality is you're always going to get better results by doing it yourself. So you'll get a smaller file size while still looking just as good. Um, a helpful tool that we may have mentioned before and I will mention again in the future is Squish. Um, that's an online tool. Um, as long as you can crop the image first, you can just upload it there, set it to 50%. It'll um, give you an optimized image to download and it will be probably 100 times smaller than when you first uploaded it. Okay. And again, that might seem like a really trivial thing, but search engines love it and... More importantly, your users, especially those on slow mobile connections, will appreciate it because slow images can take ages and put people off. Yeah. But then obviously it's not just images. So everything on your site needs to fit onto the screen when people are um, using smaller screens. So not making users zoom in or out, making sure the text is big enough that they can read it, even on like small phones, and that you don't have things bumping into each other or overlapping. Mm. So if you're using a pre-built template for your website, you would hope that this stuff is taken care of. Not to say that it's not possible for you to break it, but you have the opportunity before you choose and, and install that theme to test it. So usually they will have preview sites, that sort of thing. So you can test on different devices mm. and make sure that it works well there. To be honest, though, that's the same when you're working with professional web designers you can do the same sorts of previews on their previous work from their portfolio. I mean, this will sound really negative, but it's a bugbear of mine when I see businesses or churches with a new website that they're really excited about, but to be blunt, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but then you look at the other work produced by that person that they've paid to design their site and it's all of the same standards. So yeah. I can't help myself but to think, well, why did you expect yours was going to be any different to their previous clients? So obviously that's going to be biased as web design is the service that I provide. But a big part of the reason I got into this business is because I hate to see churches wasting money. Wait, what? You didn't become a church web designer to become the sort of digital web guru and make your millions? 
shock horror. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> okay, so we've thought about prioritising information for different types of audiences, making sure they can find the sites and actually use it on their devices. Yeah. Presumably, we don't want to ignore the visual side of things completely. Again, the millennial, you know, it is visuals for me. And it is a big thing when looking at church websites. We're already fighting against so many other things, not just on a Sunday, but just in grabbing people's attention. Visuals are, for me, so important. I know the information is then also more important in actually delivering a service to someone. But yeah, visuals, it's for me, it's, it'll be an instant whether I like your website or not. Yeah, I think... We shouldn't forget about visuals. I mean, we've said it's not all about looks and that and that's true. And the things that we've covered so far are probably more important. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that we sh- just shouldn't care about trying to make the church website look good. <laughs> As you've pointed out, first impressions really matter. So especially to Hannah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we could have an absolutely thriving church community inside our building on Sunday morning. But if the website looks like it hasn't been updated since 2001 the truth is that it will put people off and that's a shame but it's the truth because we live in a culture where people are bombarded by professionally produced imagery good looking imagery so when something looks low effort or out of date it really stands out Mm. so how to solve this um less is more yeah don't try to overcomplicate things if you're using a template look at some of the example pages from the template and try to imitate them rather than just overfilling it with your own ideas look at other church websites perhaps even the sort of trendier big churches in the cities we don't necessarily need to imitate or even try to imitate the same levels of style that they do i don't think that that's a good idea because it might not actually fit your church but you can see what's working and rather than just mimicking them you can seek to understand the thinking behind the design decisions they've made Uh, And if you can try and reverse engineer it a little bit, I think that will help you in making your own design decisions with the with your own website. Yeah, I mean, I I am conscious of not copying, but there's definitely times I've looked at other church sites and gone, oh, that's a really nice thing to do or like how how they were wording something that just made it sound interesting. I thought, actually, that's yeah, I'm going to take inspiration from that, not copy, but that's been um, that's been good. I mean, the thing as well that really, I'm going to say makes me laugh because the fact that people don't see that it's bad um, (laughs) or (laughs) it's not bad, it's just not good, (laughs) but bad photos or stock photography, like, yeah, why, why are we still doing that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've already hammered this home before. (laughs) I don't, I don't think we need to recover the same ground we we did a whole episode on on photography back yeah. in the first series but the choices you make with photos will make a massive difference to the look of your website you can have a terribly designed website if the photos are at least half decent then it's probably going to improve it and be passable yeah. or you can have a really slick well-designed website Maybe you launch it with some amazing photos, but a year or two later, a couple of people have moved on from the church, so you know you need to update it, and it just gets updated with a poor quality iPhone photo, and suddenly that really good design isn't a good design anymore and yeah. puts people off. Yeah. Um, what's the ones of like 
people stood in like really weird like thinking poses that always make me laugh yeah stock photography for churches is sometimes a necessary evil you know it usually happens with home groups because it is a harder thing to get a decent photo of a home group but if you absolutely have to just choose wisely with it because you can see through it a mile off if not yeah or it's everyone uses the same unsplash images um yeah which is also quite funny but i think yeah. like you said it's less is more yeah i could tolerate i don't want to say tolerate that makes me sound really snooty with it all <laughs> it would be okay if it was a fairly basic website but as you know all the things have ticked the boxes of like key information yeah. and and you know okay i can tell what time and where you're meeting but actually, I've seen some churches where that stuff's there, but it's so overwhelmed with loads of old photos when they redid the church hall in 2015. Yeah. Okay, cool. But like that, don't care yeah. about those small photos. <laughs> I'd rather see. And, and okay, it might sound a bit harsh to say, but the people that come to the site won't care either. Uh, and no, no. what's the point? Exactly. They want to see just one nice church barbecue like one church family photo from like yeah. summer par party or even Christmas or something like that. I'd run and or the other thing is loads of pictures of the halls and the buildings and hands praying and stuff. And then there's no pictures <laughs> of any people. I'm yeah. sure I looked at some, some, a couple websites recently. I think there was about three. I could not find any pictures of the leadership, any pictures of like people in the church. Who knows who's actually there? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I think going back to what you said about a basic site and what I said about less is more, like if you really, really strip it down and your church website is utterly simple and is basically an online business card, mm. sometimes that actually serves churches better yeah. than a website with loads of stuff on it that hasn't been thought through. Yeah, that is the epitome of less is more. You know, there are other things that you can add to the website, whether straight away or down the line. You can add sermons or the ability to listen or download those sermons. You can add online giving, maybe a blog if that's been thought through um, or a way to watch a live stream. And these things can be really helpful. Don't get me wrong. I've built websites that have all of these things on them for churches. but they are generally going to be things which take a bit more thought to produce uh, or do in the right way or even just get them set up. Yeah. And therefore they can serve as distractions from all these other things that we've talked about, meaning that we don't get the simple stuff right. So just because someone can come along and subscribe to our sermons as a podcast, they still don't know what time the service is on a Sunday because we got distracted. Mm. So that's that's my aim from the things that we've covered today that Hopefully, if you can go to these simple things and nail them, then it might not be a Hillsong website. It might not look as classy as Bethel or whoever, but it will be genuinely useful for your church, for those in your community. So, yeah, be asking questions, thinking about the, the different types of people who are using the site, thinking about what information they need and, and how best to, to lead them to it. And just as a last point, it might seem too obvious to include, but consider that the part your website has to play in actually telling people about Jesus. Mm. You know, my philosophy as a church website designer 
which has to be the most arrogant pompous <laughs> sentence that's ever been said but my philosophy is generally skewed towards the non-christian visitors yeah. to your church website and absolutely wanting to make them feel welcome and give them opportunities to come along to events and whatever but also helping them to actually find out more about jesus from just the content that's on your website yeah because ultimately as much as we would love to see people turn up to our events and build those relationships with them the reason we're doing any of this is to tell them more and invite them to a relationship with god so that i think has to be the number one thing not to lose sight of really Mm. yeah so there we go joe has given us a load to think through and work actually put into practice you know I know I've there's been actually a number of things I've been thinking oh I need to add that to my website (laughs) um and 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 pass them along to my clients as well um so we hope that you listeners have found this helpful and that there are lots of ideas that you can sort of work through to add to your site as always please do get in touch with us if you have any questions thoughts or a church comms topic that you'd like us to cover in future episodes Perhaps you're currently reviewing your own church website. Why not take advantage of some free advice? Contact us on the usual place at hello at gppodcast.uk. 